yeah. this one and then that one. Man, you guys are a bunch of assholes, man. I think You're just the like entire big, just the, discrediting all my college football knowledge. Just the saying, the entire I'm just Big Ten episode was just Jason fading me and Eric. Yeah, that's why you <laughs> keep us around to keep you know gotta keep it interesting. Well. You know, we'll see. We'll see at the end of the year if that's a good strategy or not. But uh, before we get there, uh, welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Timmy Popovich and Eric Mulher, as per the usual. Eric, what's going on, man? I know. Uh, are you still riding high from the Sun Belt's huge weekend they had? Hell yeah, I am. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not coming down from that until at least Saturday. I don't blame you. It was a big time weekend, man. I mean, what three big, huge wins for the Sun Belt over ranked teams and shit? Yeah. Uh, Timmy, what's going on with you, man? Are you are you done? Did your did the butt hurt cream work, man? Are you back in? Are you back at a hundred percent? Yeah, it took the sting right away, man. And uh, Hokies came out and laid some butt hurt cream at the feet of Boston College and Phil Jakovich, man. It was a good weekend. <laughs> it was indeed. It was so. Speaking of good weekends, there, oh boy, there's a, a few people who did not have good weekends. So, a few. I mean, I know we put in the notes here about Sunbelt ruling the weekend, and we kind of wanted to touch on that. I, I first. just couldn't, I just couldn't resist. Yeah. It, yeah. But I kind of want to wait until we get yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. fortune favors the degenerate to touch on that some more. So, yes, there were some huge upsets. Yes, we promise we will get to them. But before we do that, Scott Frost, it finally came to pass, boys, losing to Georgia Southern. And of all people that would put a guy out of his job in week three, Clay Hilton was just the chef's kiss to that. Georgia Southern goes up to Nebraska, gets the win. And on Sunday, we get the word. Scott Frost was so bad that uh, Nebraska elected to pay an extra $7.5 million just to fire him three weeks earlier. Called it. So uh, initial reactions, Eric, I mean, talk to me about Scott Frost. Uh, initial reactions, kind of like what we talked about a year ago after week two, when Clay Helton got fired, the timing is kind of weird to me because if his leash was that short, where if there's any chance you're going to fire him after three games, what was the point of the contract restructure and bringing him back? Like Why? Like just <laughs> bullet and get you, you paid him the same buyout you paid you would have paid him at the end of the season instead of redoing his deal. So if you're if you're going to give him the new contract and bring him back and give him a chance, I'm not a booster, uh, which is probably what's really behind this move. So you know what I would do is is na, but I, I didn't see it coming after three games. I, we all kind of expected like especially after losing Saturday. You know, okay, well they'll play Indiana on October you know, first or second or whatever it is, and then. Regardless of how that game goes, assuming they lose to Oklahoma, he'll get sent packing then. But the timing is weird to me because now you got an interim for the rest of the year, and then you're going to hire somebody in, I would assume, December because you're going to you're going to want to try to get a guy in there before the early signing day, and your options are really limited until then. So you're you got an interim for the next three months, and then you're going to hire someone, and now year one starts next season, not this season. So. But yeah, I mean, he needed, they needed to move on. It just, it wasn't working. It wasn't getting better. And there's, there's no reason to think it was going to. Yeah. You know, Timmy, we talked about uh, the definition of insanity and I talked about uh, Eric almost had me convinced about Nebraska, but uh, you hit it right on the head, man. Like you, (laughs) you were not buying it. 
And you were the first one to really call bullshit on Eric saying, ah, they're not going to no, it's not going to work. And I personally thought, you know, after the Oklahoma game, if they got blown out, the buyout drops, you know, whatever, maybe that would be a time where he got canned. But man, after this start to the season, I mean, what you. I mean, do you agree? Like, you had to pull the trigger, right? I mean, Nebraska made the right choice to pull the trigger. Well, yeah, and I mean, I would normally agree with Eric saying that you know the timing is weird and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But in this instance, I think that 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 kind of is on brand for Nebraska. You know, Trev Alberts, their athletic director, was probably drinking a lot of the same Kool Aid that you know you guys were talking about earlier in the in the year when we were doing previews about you know win margins and close games and all that stuff and i think he was holding on to a hope and a prayer when it was very clear at the end of last season that that was the time to move on they're they're kind of like a, a dysfunctionally ran you know professional sports organization where you see it all the time where those teams that just have bad leadership at the top continue to struggle because they can't see the obvious things that are in front of them and I don't understand why he wasn't gone last year. And, you know, like Eric said, firing him in the in the middle of the year this year sets you back even that much further in your hopes to to rebuild. And I think because of that poor leadership, they're going to have a really tough time getting somebody in there that could actually turn this program around. See, but I don't know that it was that obvious at the end of last year. Like given how their season went, there are reasons to think that they didn't have to improve that much to be like a six or seven win team. And then you're talking, well, now what's the next step? It's just those improvements that, you know, slight improvements that you can, that you would need to turn a three win team or three win team into a seven win team just didn't happen. I mean, they've been double digit favorites in three games this year and they're one and two. Yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody, I mean, outside of Timmy, everybody that I heard was, talking Nebraska's going to improve and whatever. I mean, God, Phil Steele said they were a Big Ten West title contender, for God's sake. like A lot of people did. I mean, it just – now, I wasn't buying that Kool-Aid, but, man, I (laughs) I just nobody could have predicted Clay Helton's ass. And good for Clay Helton, by the way, for getting that shit done. Now, all of that being said, do we want to speculate on candidates here like everybody else in the world is doing right now? Not really, because people are just throwing the phone book against the wall. They're not going to hire anyone for three months. They are, aren't they? I mean, I'm no. hearing all Who? kinds of names. People are throwing yeah, out Urban, Who? Urban Meyer and okay, shit. They're I'm not like, going to hire Urban. The very first thing that Trev Albert said at his press conference was the next head coach is going to be a man of character. So right off the top, we can eliminate Urban Meyer from any discussion. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Who? I mean, unless it's, uh, let's see, Dan Mullen. Uh, Tom Herman, uh, you're not going to get someone in season. It's not like last year when, when Clay Hilton got fired in week two. So Georgia Southern was able to hire him in, in week four yeah, or week six or whatever it was. You're, you're not hiring anyone until December. Like yeah. Bill O'Brien's not going to quit his job at Alabama to go be the coach in Nebraska next week. He's not. No. All I'm going to say about it is, is I'm not going to speculate on any names because you know, there's plenty of potential people out there. But I have a, a sneaky suspicion that Nebraska's phone calls are going to go straight to voicemail quite a few times, and they're going to end up in the middle or the bottom half of their list uh, by the time they actually name somebody. Uh, I, I think they can bring some. I mean, a lot of the names I've seen are not 
in my opinion, realistic for them. Like it, it's guys who are not going to leave their current job to go to Nebraska and start over and, and rebuild a program that's kind of in shambles right now. That but That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, I can. There's like four guys that I see that are. I'm kind of in agreement with Eric there. Like Mark Stoops is yeah, not no, going no to leave chance. Kentucky to go to Nebraska. I mean, for one, if Kentucky went to Nebraska right now, they would wax them. And two, Stoops has potentially one of the most favorable contracts in the nation. He does. I mean, his salary goes up a million dollars every time he wins seven games. It, 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 it's a quarter million. <laughs> it, or a quarter million. Yeah, yeah it goes excuse up, it, me. And his, his contract automatically extends a year when he yeah. wins seven games. Now, if yeah. he gets to 10 wins, it automatically extends two years. And that first extension year is 250 grand above what he made the previous year. And then the second extension year is a half a million. So yeah. he could he could go eight and four for the next 30 years. And yeah. his contract well, you, would literally never run out. You guys are kind of making my, my point for me in that, you know, I think Nebraska is thinking big, like their fan base wants to, but I just don't see the pool of candidates that would fit that profile is either A, being seriously available to take the Nebraska job, or B, wanting to leave their current situation to go rebuild a program that's in the dumpster. Right. No, you're right. But but they still got to call those guys. Yeah, and it, it bottom line though, dude, the part you're missing is that Nebraska has deep fucking pockets, and sure. they are going to be willing to pay what they have to pay to get a big time coach in there. I think I think they're kind of in the same spot as USC, you know, where they're sick of being mediocre and they've had it and just whatever. We gave Frost one more try. He stunk. He's out. We'll pay the fifteen million now instead of waiting three more weeks of this embarrassment. We're done. So I think they're going to offer somebody a big fucking fat paycheck. And that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. Money talks. So we'll see. End of the year. I don't know. I'll be hesitant to bet against or for any kind of Nebraska spread, at least for a few weeks, because you just never know how these kind of teams are going to respond when a coach is fired. Last year, Clay Hilton got fired and USC just went in the toilet after that. So Maybe yeah. that happens and, to Nebraska. I don't know. Yeah, the co- two coaches before him got fired, and and, and Orgeron went five and one as an interim. And yeah, it, it's a it's a mixed bag. Yeah. So the Oklahoma spread this week, I will not be betting on that against Nebraska, even though I think they probably boat race them. But what you know, I'll leave those kinds of risks to uh, to t- Timmy. I just realized your username. <laughs> hey, Brian, Bob here. <laughs> sick burn all right well we've got a shit ton to get to so i'm gonna kind of uh go off script here eric and i'm gonna go straight to the picks review because we've got a bunch uh to talk about here so uh week two boys (sighs) eric i'm coming to you first Mm, uh lovely another another rough week for for the picks champion but he did get in the win column yep on the board he is on the board officially so Eric, for the week you went one and four or one and three. You did uh, cover a spread, missed your upset pick. So we'll start you off at the top here. Uh, Tennessee and Pitt. You had Tennessee minus six and a half. Good call. They did cover. I did not watch. You know, I watched about a quarter of that game, mm-hmm. and from what I saw, it was sort of the sort of the opposite. Wasn't a ton of scoring at least until late, and it still didn't cover the over. But Tennessee goes on the road, gets it done, man. Thankfully, 
I I needed that. I I had to I had to get off the Schneid. Uh, and then you had uh, let's see what you have. You had Florida minus mm-hmm. five at home against Stoops. That did not cover. I should have um, known better too. Well, we'll get to that in a minute when we go through over mine because I do have a couple of takes about that. But uh, you missed on that. And then you had <laughs> the Gus Bus minus six and a half. They did not 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 only did they not cover six and a half, they fucking lost to Louisville. Convincingly, yeah. Yeah, I should have known better. That's the one I really should have known better, uh, betting on that guy. I'm certainly not tooting my horn, but when I said last week, if you want to bet on the Gus Bus, go right ahead. Yeah. I've just been I've been burned by him too many times to trust him. Yeah, I guess I read too much into Louisville getting just manhandled by Syracuse in week one, thinking yeah, that, that you did UCF could get emotional. it done. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, this is probably an overreaction because I picked Louisville in week one and they, they got throttled. So I just panicked and picked the Gus Bus. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> well, better luck next week. I don't know. You just The Gus Bus, man, you can never depend on that guy. You read somewhere that they had some athletes to hang with Louisville. I think that's that's what happened. No, I just watched Louisville in week one. I was like, these guys can't beat anybody. And then your upset pick, you had Houston over Texas Tech. It was a close game. Samsonite. Barely. barely. <laughs> yeah. It was not Samsonite. It was a close game. Went, it went to overtime, correct? Or was it double overtime? Uh, so, uh, no, it was double overtime because in the first overtime, Houston had Texas Tech at fourth and 20. Oh. They had already scored. All you got to do is stop them on fourth and 20. They convert and then they score like two plays later. And then I was just, I was like, there's no way I'm watching the rest of this because I'm going to throw something through my TV. Mm brutal not good not great bob and uh speaking of houston they've got uh the jayhawks coming to town this mm-hmm. week boys better look out kansas yeah, look out. <laughs> yeah, someone jayhawks. i don't know i think the spread on that game is like 10 points right now but, jayhawks uh, are putting up basketball scores on the scoreboard over there yeah, they, are. they are they are they're scoring a lot yeah they are so uh for eric you uh your totals you are one and seven this yep. year on picks one and five against the spread with a total of one point man slow start but i got a good feeling that you're gonna get off the snot this there, week and get back to yeah there's 10 more weeks yeah I, I feel like you're uh you're gonna get back right this week i gotta i woke up this morning thinking damn eric's gonna make good picks tonight 100 chance he picks coastal carolina but anyway uh timmy coming over to you oh boy we're going to have some notes on this game here in a minute, but uh, Iowa State, plus three and a half. Matt Campbell, though he did win, apparently not, still not building a monster. Uh, nope, and won- he's dead to me. <laughs> when, when UK covers three and a half against Iowa, I'm digging your grave. I'm sorry. I'm done with yeah, him. I'm done with but- Iowa State. There, there's no <laughs> excuse. I know Iowa has a good defense, but Jesus fucking Christ, three and a half points against a team – that needs like special assistance to get in the end zone. Like, come on, man, <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. We'll have some notes on that here in a minute. I feel like Eric just is about to explode your lone hit of the week. You took West Virginia and Kansas over 57 and a half. Good call. Kansas, the Jayhawks went up there, got an unexpected W when they were a two touchdown underdog. And uh, took care of business, man. So had that one sewed up in like the beginning of the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, big time. West Virginia just—I don't know, man. <laughs> Rough start for them. I 
They are out for blood in Morgantown. Uh, they want their coach shit canned real bad. They are what? fed the fuck up. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think now I'm going to go and look at this real quick here. Yeah, me and Eric were on the under. You took the over. and I did. So- sounds like Timmy wants him fired. Yeah. yeah. No, I personally don't give a shit, but <laughs> I, I – I mean, you can't tell me that watching them week one that they don't have some dudes on their team. No, they do. I, I watch. I mean, yeah. we all watched the backyard brawl, and I came away thinking, mm, "Boy, that under's not looking so great." And I saw a little bit of that last year, and I just don't know what the the deal is with them this year. Where you know they're they're just they're not getting it done, man. Well, I think they just probably massively underestimated Kansas. You know, just like. A lot of teams always do. And it typically, I mean, typically Kansas is not good. So if they show up and they're good and you're still expecting them to suck, they might hit you in the mouth and surprise you. So I said before the season that, uh, I mean, if you guys, if we go back to the Big 12 preview, that I thought West Virginia could be a disaster this year, like a, you know, three and nine type season. And you might be right about that. Pitchforks it, are out for Neil Brown, man. Look out. It, yeah, it's it's not good. And their road does not get any easier as as we go. So, uh, and then your uh, upset pick, man, it, Timmy, it doesn't matter which direction you go on Virginia and Illinois. Just stop right. picking it. But, but listen, but listen, <laughs> I did oh, this. I did this with a little bit of nefarious intentions in mind. I figured <laughs> if I put my money on Tony Elliott and the Cavs that they would probably choke. And I needed to have that joy in my life in case the Hokies didn't get it done against Boston College. I couldn't have them starting out 2-0. You just didn't so, want to double up in case. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I rode the Cavs. They lost. I'm still happy. I don't give a shit about my pick. Moving on. So you, you sacrifice two points for just a little bit of self-satisfaction. That's correct. That's fair. Yeah, it, that is fair. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty regular picker of Auburn. So if I do miss the pick and they happen to blow it and lose, it's like, ah, well, okay, no big deal. So, uh, on the week, Timmy, uh, you went one and three in picks. So now you are three and five overall two and four against the spread with three points. So, you know, I not as good as last week. Me, I think you shorted me a point somewhere because I had, didn't I have three points last week? Yeah, I thought you upset had an upset pick in a, in a, against the spread. Oh, yeah, think, good call. Yeah, I am yeah, sure you a point. A little bit of home cooking going on over yeah, here, he had, I see. <laughs> he had Florida State in week one, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah, he did. Yep. Simple correction. Four points. Yep. It's, uh, there's no, there's no tomfoolery going on here. So you just take it easy over there. Uh, and we'll breeze through my picks real quick. Uh, Arkansas, South Carolina over 53 and a half. That was easy money. There was like 30 points scored in the fourth quarter. So a lot of slinging it around. Yeah. That uh, one got into the seventies, didn't it? It did. And Good those, God. uh, those DBs that, uh, I was talking about that Arkansas lost, that seems to really have affected them since week one. And, uh, phew, I don't know, hopefully that, uh, doesn't affect them too bad going forward. Cause they look like they've got a pretty good team outside of that. And for South Carolina, it doesn't get any easier this week. Oof, they play Georgia. So good luck with that. Oh, man. And you want to talk about sweating out a weekend, boys. I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take the Homer hat off. And I'm going to say, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Alabama loses by two touchdowns. Does anyone disagree? I don't know about two touchdowns, but I think yeah. they lose. I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think Texas might have 
won that game with him in there the whole time. But, I mean, Alabama did kind of get their shit together late, so it's tough to say. It does. But, man, I'm starting to wonder. Like, I mean, there's no question that that was a big-time atmosphere to play in. It was the most fans Texas has ever had at their stadium for any game. You know, Will Anderson said it was the loudest stadium he's ever played in. So, tough environment. But that being said, I mean, I bet on Alabama. I I figured they would go down there and take care of business. But, man, they do seem like they've got some issues still up front. Texas's defensive line looked really good. They pushed them around a lot, especially in the first half. Alabama had five straight possessions where they went three and out. That hasn't happened in, like, three seasons. So, I don't know, man. I think Alabama does still have some offensive issues, kind of like the ones we saw against Georgia you know, where they don't really have just this dominant presence out wide and they didn't really run the ball effectively outside of the one big touchdown by Jace McClellan. So all that being said about Alabama, I think they'll still be fine. You know, they'll be back home. They got a couple of games here with some layups to get back and figure some stuff out, get some guys healthy. But for Texas, uh, Eric, would I be, am I overreacting to say that Gary Patterson made a stark difference in their defense? Hell no, you're not. He, uh, the Texas team I watched on Saturday versus the Texas team I watched last year are, they almost look like they're playing a different sport. They, you know, I was on the under for them and I thought Alabama would roll because I did not expect Texas's defense to play like that. So I, I expect I will be, you know, even, even playing with the backup quarterback for the next, you know, month and a half or whatever. I expect I'll probably be eating some crow on that under because I think they're, I think they're better than I gave them credit for. See, I don't know, man. I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that this game in particular, I'm not going to take anything away from Texas because, like you said, they did play very well on defense, and they had a very good game plan and a very good scheme on offense. Uh, I felt like they kept Alabama guessing a little bit with some of the plays and formations they were running. But I think this was kind of a perfect storm of Alabama being a little bit off and Texas playing their A++ game. I don't I don't know that Texas is going to be able to play that well every game for the rest of the year. So it'll be interesting to see. No, and and I I'm not saying you're wrong cuz I I agree for the most part. I'm just saying if that's their A++ game, their their B to B- minus game is going to win 7 times in the Big 12. Yeah, yeah maybe. That, if yeah, they had that, Quinn Ewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I think this could go one of two ways because it's easy to get up for number one, right? And you got number one coming to your, like, okay, looking back, like personal experience, I, like 2003 time frame. Okay, graduating high school. I went to an Alabama-Oklahoma game. We stunk that year. We were terrible. But Oklahoma was number one in the nation coming into our house. And that place was loud as shit. And we gave them a game. I mean, almost beat them. And we weren't good that year. We finished like three and nine that year. We were terrible, but we almost beat the number one team. And that place was nuts. So not saying that's the route Texas is going to take. I don't think they're going to suck the rest of the year. But Timmy pointing to the quarterback being gone, they're a different team without him. When they the, are. When, he, when he was in the game, they looked like they could play with anybody. And I'm talking anybody. Like put Georgia in there on Saturday with Quinn Ewers at quarterback. They're competing with him. Like they looked fantastic for the first half of that game. 
Yeah, and they and they looked merely pretty good the whole rest of the game. With, with right, I mean, they still I, I get Ewers is hurt. They still have Bijan Robinson. They still have Xavier Worthy. They still have Jordan Whittington. They still have a defense that appears to be playing actual defense. So, yeah, I think they can go. I mean, they already got what are they one and one? I, I, yeah, you know, they can get to eight wins. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I I think. Uh... You know, Hudson Card, I think he wasn't terrible. He just wasn't terribly effective. But, you know, bottom line, when your quarterback with that much talent goes out, it's it's tough, man. You just can't can't really expect a guy like Hudson Card to beat a team like Alabama. It's just it's tough, man. So, you know, shout out to uh Quinn Ewers. Hope he gets healthy. That's a that's a brutally tough injury, man. I know, man, it's I know it's a tough injury. So hopefully he comes back and is a hundred percent has no effects from that because they they were a different team with him in there. So uh now moving forward. Oh geez, Eric, this was the easiest money in the history of money, I think. Yeah. I picked Iowa Iowa State under 40 and a half. Iowa can't score. And no, tell me tell, tell me why they can't score. Okay. Well, um his name is Brian Ferentz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh Jesus! In death, he has a name. Yeah. Oh boy, I don't even know where to start with it. I, I have so for our listeners, I have notes here. I have some some statistics and national rankings written down on this paper. And other than just saying they're all fucking terrible, I don't even know how, where to start. So uh, let's go passing yards per game. One hundred point five. That is good for one hundred twenty seventh in the country. And you might think, okay, fine. There's a lot of teams that don't pass that much because, you know, the service academies run the triple option or whatever. So let's go to rushing yards, uh, 57.5 rushing yards per game, which is also 127th in the country. So they can't pass the ball. They can't run the ball. Total offense, 158.0 yards per game, which is good for 131st in the country. Out of 131, they are dead last by 74 yards per game. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. They're 125th uh, yards per completion, 130th in yards per attempt. They are 131st dead last in first downs with 21 on the season uh, after two games, one of which was an FCS team. Three of those first downs are by penalty, so they're not even really earning it, moving the ball. 125th in completion percentage 124th in third down percentage 129th in red zone oh god just make it stop 130th in in team passing efficiency 117th 117th in time of possession they're out of the bottom 10 in one meaningful offensive statistic they this is the worst offense i've seen in college football in 10 years so wait a minute coach mora i believe you're on the line do you have anything that you would like to say about iowa's offense because we're, we're all dying to hear your assessment i'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed <laughs> thank you coach uh, yeah oh jeez man i i'm with you i picked over on them before the season god they suck i mean they just blah it's pathetic um I don't even want to talk about Iowa anymore. They're terrible. Well, are we not going to talk about Eric's early Christmas present in the the Bob Stoops cameo that the Iowa fans paid money to have him troll Brian Ferentz unknowingly? Man, how do you not realize what you're saying there if you're Stoops? I mean, no, surely you, I mean, you, you know what you're it. saying. No, you don't. You, you listen to it, and all you've got is Brian. 
Right. This is going out to Brian. And they they did a I'm gonna compliment him here. They did a masterful yes. job yes. <laughs> of wording it in a way to where it wouldn't be obvious, like, hey, why don't you talk a bunch of shit to to Brian Ferentz? It's just it, it was just vague enough to where you know, Fran McCaffrey, who's the men's basketball coach at Iowa, they did the same exact thing. So they worded it in such a way that neither of those guys picked up on the fact that they're telling Brian Stoop or <laughs> Brian Stoops, they're telling Brian Ferentz, hey, you should quit your job because you're awful at it. Yeah, because I had the, the same initial reaction. I, I'm watching the Bob Stoop ones over and over again, and I'm like, how the fuck is this guy saying this with a straight face? And I'm like, wait a minute, I need to like really pay attention to what he's saying. And then like I listen to it and I'm like, my God, he really actually has no idea that this is meant for Brian Ferentz. He's just talking to some guy named Brian that, you know, his family loves him and he needs to quit the family business. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly how he didn't know, because the first time I saw it was on someone tweeted it and they didn't say what it was like the caption was just. Hey, I, you know, I saved this so that when Bob Stoops takes it down or whatever, blah, 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 you know, saved for posterity. And I watched it. I I didn't know what it was about. And I was like, okay, Bob Stoops did a cameo, like weird. Why am I watching this? And then I find out it's Brian Ferentz and I watch it again. I'm like, now it makes sense, but I, I can absolutely see how he didn't realize that. All I can say is that I may be using a little bit of my uh, discretionary income on some future cameo appearances uh, for some special individuals in the short future. Uh, and so $50 well spent. Oh yeah. Those guys are thinking it's worth every penny right now. Yeah. I we need to find who that was and buy him a beer. Uh, now let's see here. The last pick that I had was uh, now Eric, I, you know, this was one of your picks as well. You took Florida minus five here. I took Kentucky over Florida in the upset. And I'll be a lot, I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of conviction with it because I didn't have enough, you know, a ton of faith in Kentucky's offense. But man, the the lack of depth on Florida's defensive line really started to show in the second half. And Kentucky was just running it right at them. They just couldn't stop it, man. And Anthony Richardson definitely came back down to earth after that great. Yeah, that's the, had. that's the big thing is Florida's defense. I think they faded because they were on the field so much because they kept turning the ball over. Like he yeah. just didn't look like the same guy from week one. Uh, on the week I went three and one. I am now four and two against the spread and I have six points. So six to four to one. Timmy's right there. He's a week away from being in the lead again. And Eric, you need a big week this week. So uh, before we move into a couple of things here, uh, just some news and notes here. We talked about Quinn Ewers being out. Another big, we're going to talk about a couple of upsets here. And I'm going to just go ahead and throw it out there that these are going to be the two nominees to receive butthurt cream this week. So I'm going to talk about one and Eric is going to talk about the other. You know, these two game discussions are going to tie into the butthurt cream nominees because I just don't think there's any other way you could do it. Um, Now, if someone disagrees, feel free to speak up. So Texas A&M. Y'all took a week off. I just wasn't important. <sighs> Jimbo. Jimbo, Jimbo. Not great. They were an 18-point favorite at home this week against Appy State, a team that, mind you, gave up 63 points to North Carolina in week one. They lost 17-14. to 14. I didn't put Jimbo Fisher on my hot seat ranking before the season. 
Eric, did I make a mistake there? Should I have? <laughs> no, because if they fire him without cause before the end of the year, they owe him $96 million. So <laughs> as un- I actually, I might even, I don't remember if it's 96.4 or 94.6, but either number oh. is prohibitive enough. He could lose every game the rest of the season. They're not going to fire him. Ouch. That game was something else, man. I'll tell you what, because I, I watched uh, the second half of that game, and if you just if you just looked at the box score and covered up the teams and the final score and just looked at you know rush yards, pass yards, total plays, time of possession, first downs, you would think that that game ended up like forty-two to ten. Appalachian State just ran them off the field. You would never in a million years dream that that was a three-point game that was actually in doubt in the final minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's pathetic. Haynes King threw for 97 yards. They rushed for 89 yards as a team. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. And we talked about this, Eric. We talked about how Jimbo does a terrible job of getting you know the, the best out of the talent that he has. Like, holy shit, man. Like, if Appalachian State had if that if their coach had this talent, they'd be beating people eighty to nothing. Oh man, yeah, not good. I mean, Texas or uh, Appalachian State—they didn't do anything to wow anybody, you know. I mean, one hundred and thirty-four passing yards for Chase Bryce, uh, Cameron Peoples—he had a good game, nineteen carries for a buck twelve, but he didn't get in the end zone. He had, you know, outside of uh, one carry for forty-eight. I mean, he was averaging about three and a half a carry. I don't know, man. I don't even know what to say. It was yours for the taking, and you choke. I'll say this. I mean, Texas A&M absolutely should have won that game by multiple scores. But yeah, I think what we're seeing here is two things. One, it's apparently obvious that you can have all the talent in the world on your roster and have good recruiting classes, but if you don't have the coaching behind it to develop and to scheme and all that good stuff, they're, you know, they're worthless. And two, I think with the transfer portal, a lot of these smaller teams, group of five teams, they're beginning to figure out how to get better talent on their rosters than what they're used to having. And they have really good coaches um, because they're used to doing more with less talent and they don't rely exclusively on freak athletes. You know, they actually have to coach these kids. So, I mean, am I outright shocked that Appalachian state beat Texas A&M? I mean, 30% maybe, but I mean, Appalachian state's been a good football team for a long time. And we saw what they did to North Carolina with all their highly touted recruits last week, damn near beat them. So shit happens. It does. And it doesn't help that Jimbo, (laughs) I mean, that guy's play call sheet is like a stone tablet from 400 BC, man. He needs to fucking hire an offensive coordinator that knows how to run a college offense. Like his shit does not work anymore. Like, okay, great coach. It worked in 2013 when you won the title. Good for you. You had the number one pick at quarterback. You don't have that now. The offense you run it's not yeah, going to work. He had 22 starters that year that played in the NFL. Yeah. And he I doesn't mean, have that here, especially at quarterback. And it just, it, it's not going to work. He's going to have to either make the decision that Nick Saban made, you know, when he started, you know, getting run off the field by teams that ran the spread. He's like, well, shit. Okay. Let's, let's make a change. And he hired Lane Kiffin and Kiffin updated the offense and all that. Yeah. But it's easy for Saban to do to for you know to turn the offense over to an offensive kind of minded guy because Saban's background has always been and you know on the defensive side specifically right. in the secondary you know Jimbo 
you know, was a college quarterback. He was the division three player of the year in the, in the late eighties when he played, he, he was an offensive coordinator at a bunch of different places. He was always the offensive guy. He still calls the plays. The idea that he is just going to turn over the offense, you know, design scheme, execution, play calling to anyone else. Boy, that's, I I don't see it happening. I'm going to be honest. Well, sometimes you got to take the keys and the driver's license away from the elderly before they hurt themselves. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you do, but you don't ordinate like, I, you know, nobody owed my grandmother $94 million either. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. But, uh, speaking of, uh, $94 million, I would have bet $94 million that Notre Dame did not lose to Marshall this week, but that happened Timmy, 26 to 21. The Marshall thundering herd goes into Notre Dame. <laughs> That damn guy, man. I, I got a feeling we're not going to hear from him for a while. Yeah, I was I was flip flopping. I thought we might hear from him because he went two and one on his picks he mailed in, but then I thought we might not hear from him because Notre Dame is zero and two. Yeah, I, I just want to throw out there that I feel extremely vindicated in the fact that <laughs> that my beloved Hokies got beat in the first week by a Sun Belt team, and two Sun Belt teams come in this week and wreck shop in the top 10 but i will throw out there the one difference is that these two teams this week did it on the road whereas last week they were at home so i don't know which one's more embarrassing it's it's not good and to add uh you know to add some injury to insult tyler buckner he's out for probably three to four months i would guess and so you know drew pine is who you've got coming in, and it's kind of like the you know the varsity blue, the, yeah, kind of like the varsity blues, you know, where that where he's like that moxon isn't worth the charm and extra soft he wipes his butt with, you know, it's kind of that same thing. So yeah, well, Drew Pine ain't leading him to any state championships in fucking Texas anytime soon. Yeah, so no, no district titles for them, probably not. So I I don't know, man. This it could come I, off is the, it, seriously it could come off the it, rails for them real fast because they got Cal this week and then they go to North Carolina, BYU in Vegas. They play Syracuse later in the year, Clemson, USC. Like there are uh, absolutely hmm. zero whipped cream bikinis in Drew Pine's future. Okay, <laughs> is he? I mean, I didn't watch yes. any of that game. Is he that big of a step down from from Buckner? When it comes to throwing the ball, I think that Buckner has more of a live arm. He can throw the deep ball. His problem has just been, you know, his inexperience and his consistency. And his big upside is the fact that when he gets loose, he can run, man. But Drew Pine, he doesn't really have either of those qualities. So I think they're they're You think they're in trouble? Yeah, they're in trouble, man. Okay. I would agree with that assessment. I think they are in trouble. I mean, I don't think Cal will really do anything. I don't really have much faith in their offense against Notre Dame's defense, but it's not looking good. I mean, they go to North Carolina. North Carolina can light up the scoreboard. And then, like I say, they get an off week before they go to Vegas and play hey, BYU. Hey, don't be I, gassing up Mac Brown in the Tar Heels right now. I ain't here for that. Hey, man, I, I'm not talking about their defense. Their defense is hot trash. But I'm saying they can light up the scoreboard, which they can, and they do every week. I mean, it's, you know, there's, you can't argue with that. It's, it's just, it's stats. They're there. We'll, we'll just wait and see. Yeah. Well, go ahead and take Notre Dame to cover against North Carolina. Go ahead. I just might. Okay. All of that stuff being said, we know the nominees. 
Notre Dame, and Texas A&M. So, Timmy, who's getting the butter cream this week? What promo code should our listeners use to soothe their south end zone and get them some TP's butter cream? Well, to get the two-for-one BOGO special, you're going to use promo code Aggies, okay? <laughs> oh, <man>. um, <laughs> because in Notre Dame, you know, losing to Marshall and South Bend is really bad, and I know those fans are super butthurt. But at least they have the benefit of saying that their starting quarterback went out in the middle of the game and that they can point to that as, you know, a contributing factor. Whereas the Aggies have no such merit to say anything other than their quarterback was hot garbage and the rest of their team followed suit right behind him. I'm saying the Aggies get the butthurt promo code of the week award. Oh, man. Well, Damn, well, you heard it here. So uh, if you want to pick up some T-Piece butter cream, Texas A&M fans, use the promo code Aggies. And uh, disclaimer, it is not a cure for battered Aggie syndrome. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with you. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotions. All you have to do is bet on any NFL team to win, and if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN, that's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym, to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details. Hey guys, Jason Bailey of the South End Zone here. Lately, I've been listening to a ton of music, podcasts, audiobooks, that kind of thing. I really love to listen to music before I go work out and while I'm working out. And the reason that I love to do that is because I use Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. And with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me, I use them personally. I really like them. They're they're just they're fantastic. You get them sweaty, nasty. They're still fantastic. Now Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life, which is better than you're going to find pretty much anywhere else. And also better than you're going to find pretty much anywhere else is the price. They are half the price of the other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's got over 50,000 five star reviews. I mean, some of the features that these things have are just fantastic. The three customizable sound profiles, the earbud tap function, noise isolation, aware mode the list goes on and on and on and like i say i personally use these things when i go to work out you're not going to find a better pair of headphones so just do yourself a favor and go to buyraycon.com slash tppn today to get 15 percent off your raycon order that's buyraycon.com slash tppn to score 15 percent off buyraycon.com slash tppn
welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Pigskin Podcast Network. All right, so boys, we've run really long on that loaded week that we just had, so we're going to jump right into week three picks here. We're going to make our bets. So last week, uh, Timmy and Eric, you guys tied with one point apiece. Uh, Eric, you were the biggest loser in week one, so you are still on the tee box, man. You still have the honors. Still got honors. Lovely. Okay. Yes, Uh, indeed. Georgia minus 24 and a half versus South Carolina. Oh, man. Yeah, man, that, he uh, was that, ready with that draft card right off I've, the bat, I've been, man. I've been planning this all weekend. Um, <laughs> no, I watched I watched enough of the Arkansas-South Carolina game to know that the line of scrimmage is not going to be competitive in the least. Um, and boy, yeah, Dr. Thunder's in for a long, long day. So give me the dogs. Yeah, be the toughest defense he's ever faced for sure. I, that line opened at like 16. So if you kudos to you, the listener, if you got it at 16, because uh, that is free money. I mean, it's all the way up to 24 and a half. So I'm sure Eric probably probably laid some skin on that well before this podcast. But purpose of this podcast, 24 and a half. Still don't hate it. Timmy, round one, hit me. Uh, my first overall pick for this week is going to be Texas Tech and NC State. Uh, the over-under is at 55, and I'm going to take the over in that game. Uh, I think Devin Leary has the potential to uh, evaporate Texas Tech's defense, but I also wasn't very impressed with NC State's defense, so I think this one could be a barn burner, man. <laughs> yeah, now, NC State, God, that game's kind of interesting, man, because if, like, I'll tell you right now, if they play the way they get played against ECU, Texas Tech's liable to go up there and beat their ass. Maybe. Now, to round out round one for my first pick, I'm going to take Mike Leach, and I'm going to fade LSU because they have screwed me like the past eight times I've bet on them, and I'm tired of it. And I hope Mississippi State goes over there and beats the dog out of them. To round us out, I'm going to take Mississippi State minus two. So, uh, Eric, round two. Mm, God, I was – I watched enough of the A&M game. I was really tempted – to take Miami in the points, but I think instead I'm going to go Colorado, Minnesota under 47 and a half. Colorado and Minnesota under 47 and a half. Well, I guess that boils down to, do you think Minnesota can score 40 and Colorado can score at all? Because Colorado um, stinks. Maybe. And no, like Minnesota quietly has through two weeks of the season has had one of the probably five best defensive showings so far this year. I mean, they're they're really, really good on defense. So, And Colorado, I don't think, is very good at all. I think this is a 28-7 type game, you know, 31-3 type game. I just I don't think Minnesota is going to score enough to, to get them to the over. I know Colorado's not. All right. Okay. So, Timmy, round two, what do you got? Uh, I got easy money in round two, man. Oh, I, oh really? I got, I got Ole Miss minus 16 over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is a dumpster fire, and Ole Miss is going to absolutely boat race these kids. It's a tune-up game for them. 16, not enough. Well, FYI, it's 16 and a half. So be it. All right, 16 and a half. All right, Ole Miss 
minus sixteen and a half over Georgia Tech. And for you listeners, again, uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, we use uh, a consensus line. You can actually go and find this line. Probably the best you can find right now is sixteen. Even yeah. My- you might be able to find a 15 and a half on an offshore book somewhere, but I doubt it. Um, it opened at 12 and a half. So good luck, but I don't hate that. Georgia tech stinks. Old miss can score. I like it. Uh, okay. So round two for me, man, this is uh it's a strange week for me. I like a bunch of underdogs here. I'm going to take BYU at three and a hook here. I think BYU can go up to Oregon and cover three and a half. I don't know that they win, but I do think they keep it within a field goal. So, Give me BYU plus three and a half on the road at Oregon. All right, Eric, round three. Round us off on spreads and totals. Oh, this, the third one was tough because I have three that I kind of like. Um, I'm going to go with Liberty and Wake over 62 and a half. Oh, you bastard. I, man, see, I try to get in my first Liberty pick of the year and you just rip it right out from I, under me. I thought you were due. Like I was like, yeah, I better, I better snake one out of him. He's going to pick one sooner or later. He can't hold out forever. Yep. You just ripped it right out from under me. Thanks a lot. A hole. That's probably going to cover because Liberty can score and we know Wake can score. Uh, Timmy round three. Uh, I'm going to go with another team that can score. Uh, I'm going to take North the, Carolina. You going no. with North Carolina? <laughs> Iowa? <laughs> no. Uh, I'm going to take Miami and Texas A&M over 45. I think Miami by themselves could probably cover this, but I do think that Texas A&M has a little bit of uh, extra rejuvenation from their shipment of butthurt cream that's coming in the mail. Um, and I think they get their shit together enough and put some more points on the board this week. And I like this one to be a higher scoring game. I think 45 is way too low. Whew, man, wait, wait, I don't know. What do you, what do you think the total is? 45 is what I got. Yeah. That's what I got too. Oh, okay. Cause I had, I had 48 and a half. Yeah. Um, that's what it opened. That's what it opened. Down. Yeah. That it's was the opening. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's down to 45 now. Well, there's a reason for that. Cause I don't think they're going to come close to that. I agree. I would be on the under here. I I don't see how you can look at A&M and think they're going to score any points on anybody. Well, like I said, I'm more banking on the fact that Tyler Van Dyke and the Hurricanes put up 60 by themselves <laughs> because, I mean, they scored, what, 70 in week one and 30 so, last week. So, so. You're bank- so you're banking on a five-point underdog to win by 25? I don't think that Miami should be a five-point underdog, to be quite honest with you. Okay, that's fair. But, I mean, for them, for this game to get above 45, I mean, I think Miami's going to have to score 31. Keep it it coming, man. Every time you guys crush me, you know, we always (laughs) talk about it the next week, all right? You know what? Keep it coming. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just, no. Maybe we are underestimating the power of TP's butter cream here a little uh, bit. Could be. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll need TP's yeah, butter cream cue, next week. Cue up, this time. cue up the a little bit. Of the, I feel strongly about this one here. Yeah, All okay. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Next Tuesday, we'll be saying, so who was right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All right. So rounding off the spreads and totals for me, I'm going to take a page out of Timmy's book here, and I'm going to take Auburn plus three against Penn State at home. I think Auburn can get it done, man think they can keep it within three points I, I don't have a ton of faith in penn state's offense they didn't look great against purdue i think auburn's defense is better than purdue's and while their offense is not great 
I debated on taking the under in this game, but it is a pretty low total. So I'm just going to bet on Auburn's home field advantage to keep it within three points here. I'm not going to predict them to win, but I'm going to tell you right now, it would not shock me to see them win, but I don't hate the total either. Honestly, if I could bet the total under 47, I would do that too. But I just, I, I think Auburn keeps it within a field goal, man. So give me Auburn plus three. So with all that being said, Eric, who is your money line special? Your, your upset, where's the value on the money line? Cause I'll tell you how much you're going to make off of it. All right. Well, you might not think that uh, Auburn can pull out a home win against Penn state. But I do. I don't need the points. I think uh, Harson gets it done. They went up. They went up to Beaver Stadium and last year, and I mean, played a hell of a game. Uh, I think Auburn has a good argument for having the best home field advantage in the country. Oh, uh, no doubt. That that place is absolutely bonkers. It won't affect Penn State as much as a lot of other teams that come in there because of their their own home field atmosphere. But I I think Auburn is better than they're given credit for. I'm not 100% sure about Penn State, and the line is close enough that I'm just going to go ahead and, and pick the Tigers to win. Mm, I don't hate it, man. I don't have a lot of faith in Sean Clifford to go into Auburn and uh, to dominate. So while I'm not comfortable picking him to win, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. So maybe we're wrong and if we are then you know no no sweat off my ass i don't care yeah you know, then vegas was right again I mean, yeah, yeah and what I, are you gonna I, do I can't, I can't stand auburn you know so good on them that's not gonna hurt my feelings if they lose so uh all right so auburn over penn state timmy what do you got for upsets so i'm taking the eric mulher special of the week two of his darlings i'm going to take louisville to beat Florida State this week. Oh Florida State God. didn't play last week. They've uh, they've only played Duquesne and LSU, and I think everybody's real high on Florida State after the LSU game, but I don't think LSU uh, was a very convincing win for them considering how they almost bungled it away. Um, and I like Louisville to stay on the winning track this week after they beat UCF last week. Hmm. Eric, I know you got a take on that game. What do you got? I do. Um, so if if one of my three preferred picks against the spread had been taken, my fourth pick would have been Florida State uh, minus two and a half against Louisville. And here's why. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I would have. Um, Florida State did not play this past weekend, which means they had all last week to look at what happened that caused Syracuse to run Louisville off the field in week one. Then they got to, on Saturday, or Friday night, rather, sit down, get together, and watch Louisville play UCF, and then review that game film Saturday and Sunday in a more kind of controlled coach-type environment. So they've seen what absolutely works against Louisville, and they've seen what absolutely does not. I think that gives them a, a very, very strong basis for forming a game plan. My guess is they're probably going to have a spy on Malik Cunningham 100% of the snaps that Louisville takes. It'll probably be Kalen Deloach. And I think they're going to come up with a plan to at least contain him and not let him single-handedly win the game. So I think they'll have a Syracuse-like approach. Uh, I, I personally like Florida State minus the two and a half, but you do you. 
Hmm. Yeah, see, I kind of think that the uh, the Syracuse game for Louisville was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I think Syracuse might actually have their shit together this year. Yeah, um, but I think Florida State might as well. Uh, I, I th- they may. They may. They I very think, well may. I think you're right. I think Syracuse is better than I certainly gave them credit for. I thought they'd be fucked, you know, terrible. Uh, and it turns out they're looking like, you know, a f- six-ish win team. But I, you know, I think anything Syracuse can do defensively, Florida State can as well. Mm. Well, uh, Timmy, you're plus one fifteen on the money line there, so not uh, not it. just not mind blowing value, but uh, Eric's got some good value. He's plus one twenty six on the money line there on Auburn, so that's uh that's juicy, man. That's uh, that'll be a good piece of coin there if that manages to hit. Now, for my upset pick, boys, I'm going to take uh, since you guys both faded Mel Tucker preseason, I am guilty of taking the over because you guys took the under on this one. So uh, Michigan State is on the road at Washington. Number 11, Michigan State, is on the road at unranked Washington, and they are a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. So give me Michigan State to go to UW and get a win. I'm plus 132 on the money line here. So I will take that action and that value all day long and lay my money on Mel Tucker shorts to go into Washington and get a win. I don't have any faith in Michael Penix, even though Michigan State's pass defense is not good. Yeah, that that's really good value. I don't agree with the pick personally, but that's that's good value. If, if you're talking about a field goal line for a road team, you know, that's that's not terrible at all. Yeah. But I just right. I hope you're not basing that pick off of AP poll rankings after week two is all. No, I'm th- I'm looking at uh, all kinds of different things. I mean, if you look at every set of like power rankings. You know, the, where you've got computers involved and they calculate mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. If you're looking at straight power rankings, you can find Michigan State anywhere from 10 to 14 across multiple platforms. If you're looking at Washington, you can find them anywhere from 36 to like 41 across all the platforms. And Washington hasn't really done anything to wow me outside of Michael Penix throwing the ball pretty well. But I'm going to tell you, Kent State gave Washington some problems on the ground. I mean, they rushed for like a buck 60 against them. Some of that was in garbage time, but they're facing a different kind of rushing attack with Berger and Broussard coming to town. So I don't know, man. I'll be anxious to see if Washington can stop the run and keep Michael Penix and the offense on the field because if Michigan State manages to get some stops, then – and that's a yeah, that's a four thirty kickoff on the West Coast. So not an early kick wouldn't be something I would bet the you know total. You know the total's fifty seven. I'd probably take the under there, but you know we'll see what happens. Uh, now some other notable matchups here before we go. Just a few of our uh, fortune favors, the degenerate picks here. Games we haven't talked about. Purdue and Syracuse. Now this one's interesting to me. It opened at Purdue minus one. Uh, it's currently at a pick'em. So bottom line, who do we think is going to win? Do we think Purdue can go to Syracuse and get a win, Eric? No, uh, Syracuse over Purdue would have been my upset pick until the line shifted to to oh, even. Nice. See, I'm yeah. on the other side of the fence, man. I think Purdue can get it done, but I think it's gonna they're going to be holding their breath a lot longer than a lot of people might might have thought. It, it could be a shootout, man, because I'm on record as thinking Purdue's offense. Uh, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a sleeping giant in the Big Ten. I think they got some talent and the ability to put up some points. And Syracuse has already demonstrated it. So it'll it'll be a good test for for the Orangemen. 
Indeed. It will be interesting. And just FYI, Jeff Brom, if you're winning by... Run the goddamn ball. (laughs) If you're winning by three points with six minutes left, hand it off. Just run the ball and you'll be fine. We need to clip that and put that on the soundboard. Oh, yeah. Run the goddamn ball. All right. Uh, Okay. Now, we talked about this one earlier a little bit, boys. Oklahoma minus 10 and a half on the road at Nebraska. Timmy, hit me. What's happening there? Uh, Oklahoma wins by like 40. I mean... (laughs) Oh God! I, I don't know about forty, but yeah, I, no, Oklahoma. I, 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 I would lay the points with Oklahoma. I don't. Yeah, I don't think Mickey Joseph, who is the interim coach in Nebraska, can fix enough of the issues that exist with that defense, specifically their tackling and their run fits, which are freaking nightmarish. No, I mean Nebraska just gave up forty-five points at home to a Group of Five team. Yeah, what is it, no. what is Oklahoma going to do? Yeah, yeah. forty was obviously hyperbole, but like seriously, I mean, even if Scott Frost is still there, you're telling me that his team is going to hang with Oklahoma and they're going to cover ten? I don't think so, man. Mm. All right, well, moving on forward, uh, Timmy, this one's coming back towards your uh, part of the world. Old Dominion on the road at Virginia. Virginia minus nine and a half. Is that a bit steep, or am I nuts? Um. I don't like the the line personally. That's why I, I kind of thought about betting it, but I'm staying away from it, man. I mean, Virginia, I don't know what to make of them yet. I still think that with Brennan Armstrong, they can score points, and I think that might be enough to, to do you know what they need to do this week because you know Old Dominion, they're in the bottom end of the Sun Belt, but they already have a, a Power 5 win on their belt this year, so... Who knows? I don't know, man. I don't know that I would call Virginia Tech Power Five, but oh, eat my ass. <laughs> Moving on. All right, I'm going to stick with you, Timmy. Notre Dame minus ten and a half at home against Cal. Notre Dame and all their horse shit. Drew Pine. They're going to be able to take care of business and win. Beat Cal by eleven points. I think that they could probably beat Cal by eleven points because their defense is going to shut out Cal. I think Cal's going to have a real hard time putting points on the board, and. They may end up scoring on defense, um, but I I think they can cover this easy. Mm. Well, all right. So moving forward, uh, Eric, um, now I don't know if you've been paying any attention to this team, but sneaky kind of team that nobody's really talking about. Uh, Kansas State just fucking put it on Mizzou this past weekend, drilled them by like 30. They were a seven and a half point favorite. They won like 40 to 13. And they are at home this week against Tulane. The line had opened at 17. It's down to 14. People have been betting Tulane. Neither of those numbers are enough. I I agree. I I mean, I would bet Kansas State here. I think they just drilled Tulane. Yeah, I mean, I was on the over. Actually, I think we were all on the over for them in preseason. I think they Mm -hmm. are a kind of a sleeper slash dark horse slash whatever, you know, fancy phrase you want to call to, to go out and win that conference. They're a good team. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and I also like the over there at 47. I think that game goes over. Uh, now, let's see. Moving forward here just a little bit. All right, boys. This is it. Vanderbilt. Are they going to get the over and hit that notorious three-win mark? They got to do that. They got to hit this one if they're going to do it. Northern Illinois is at home, minus three against Vandy. So can Vandy go up there as a three-point dog and get a win? Book it. Vegas is sleeping. 
<laughs> We're going to sew this one up early. Yeah. Double stamp. <laughs> Touch blue. Make it true. Yes. I like it. I agree. Let's go. Vanderbilt. Get to that three win total, baby. We're going to cash that bet early. All right. So last couple here. Uh, Pittsburgh. Timmy. Pitt is on the road at Western Michigan. Western Michigan was the team, if you guys remember, that beat them last year. Kept them out of the college football playoff conversation. So Western Michigan is at home against Pittsburgh, laying 10 and a half. So do we trust Pittsburgh to go up there and win by 11, Timmy? Yes. Uh, Narduzzi is not going to repeat the sins of the past from last year. That was a sloppy game by them last year. They gave up a ton of points. I don't see their defense mirroring that type of performance that they had last year. And I think they play a much more sound game and give Western Michigan some more respect where last year, I think they might've overlooked him a little bit. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think Narduzzi's had this one circled on his calendar for 51 weeks. Oh man. Could be ugly for Western Michigan, but don't sleep on Western Michigan. I like them to win double digit games this year. I think they're going to be pretty good. Now, last two here, Eric, I'm bringing this one to you. UTSA is on the road at Texas. It opened at 13 and a half. It's down to 12 and a half. So can Texas cover 12 and a half points against UTSA? I'm going to say no, because they're playing their backup quarterback and they're not the same team with Hudson card. And I, I think there's a little bit of a letdown after the Alabama game. I think UTSA, this is a game that UTSA has been looking forward to for months as far as a, hey, this is where we make our mark, right? Like Appalachian State, like a Marshall, like a, you know, whoever. I think Texas still wins because I think they're just they're the better, more talented team. But, but but I would take USA to or UTSA to cover. Mm. I don't hate it, but I, I wouldn't touch it. That, that's one that I just, I don't know what kind of response Texas is going to have to that loss and the injury. So not one I would touch, but uh, I don't hate the pick. Well, if it was one or the other, that'd be one thing. But since it's both, that kind of tipped me over towards the, you know, kind of let down game side yeah. of the fence. All right. So actually, I've got two more here. So, Eric, I'm going to stick with you. Uh, San Diego State, a team you picked in week one there. Their offense is terrible. Utah is minus 20 and a half at home against San Diego State. I think that's an easy cover. I think Utah blows them out. Am I nuts? You're not. I agree. I th- This was on my list of, uh, you know, kind of when I look at all the games that are semi-interesting to me, and then I kind of winnow that down to, you know, 10 or 12 games that I make my picks off of. Because San Diego State beat them in at San Diego State last year in three overtimes, and that was my, mm-hmm. that was an upset pick I had. Um, that was the, that was the game Cam Rising came in off the bench as a replacement, yep. and that was kind of yep. when he started, you know, made his mark. I think, Utah probably harbors enough resentment over how that game went and how it ended where they're not going to let up and they're clearly the better team. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think there's a ton of like backdoor cover potential. Like I think they're going to play till the zeros. Yeah, I agree. I think this is uh put your foot on the gas pedal and don't fucking stop till it's over. I could, I could see just a straight blowout in the making here. And then the very last one we're going to touch on, uh, the number one team in covering spread since 2016 is Fresno State. And Fresno State is on the road at USC. The total is up to 73 and a half. USC is laying 13 here. So what do we think about this game? Fresno at USC. Fresno lost to Oregon State last week, by the way. 
No, I, I think USC gets it done here, man. They, they've looked the part against the lower-level teams that they've played so far this year. I'll be more interested to see what they do once they start getting into some more conference play. Yeah, I don't consider Stanford a part of the conference, by the way. Yeah, I think USC covers this pretty easily. Mm. What about you, Eric? You in agreement? Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't touch it, but uh, I, I think – I'd be really tempted to take USC to cover that, but boy, Fresno is just, they're very Kentucky-ish to me. They just kind of punch above their weight class and just, they're just tough as shit and they just fight and fight and fight. And, you know, they're number one against the spread the last six years for a reason. Like that's, that shit's not some accident. So it's really tempting to take them, you know, to, to keep it, you know, an eight, nine, 10 point game, but I don't know. I, I think it's early enough in the season. USC's depth hasn't been tested. They probably cover that. Mm, yeah. Anytime I see Fresno as a double digit dog, I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> you know, it's one I kind of one I kind of lean towards just off statistical stuff. So now do you boys have anything else before we close this bad boy out? Anything we missed? Yeah, I told you guys in the group chat a week ago that uh, I didn't bring it up because we were already long on the podcast. But I told you guys, I promised you guys Georgia Southern would cover 23 against Nebraska. You did. You totally did. Yeah, you, you definitely out. did. I'll give you that. So nice call there, but uh, I don't even go there with me saying you thought they would go in there and win. Absolutely not. Oh, man. I can't believe that. Jeez. Well, all right. So we're going to cut it off. We've run a little long, but uh, we'll be back with you next week. And in the meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. You can follow Timmy at SE underscore Timmy Poe. And uh, we'll be back with you next week to recap week three and our week four bets. So until then, catch you guys later. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.